Hello and welcome back to Multimodal. I'm your host, Baxter Future. So if you've been keeping up with my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash future, my Substack newsletter, baxterfuture.substack.com, you know for the past month I've been releasing a series called GPTX DALI and our Multimodal Future. I've been busy releasing this series. One video got dropped every weekday, and there were about 19 videos in total. So last week was really exciting for me because the series concluded. It was over. Uh, and so for me, just as on a personal level, there were many times while I was working on the project where I didn't even think the project would get done, let alone make it to the actual end where every video gets released. <laughs> and so it's a relief for me that the series is done uh, today, I wanted to quickly tell you about a Clubhouse event I'm throwing, as well as just encapsulate the uh, the series in general, like some other important ideas. And then I also thought it'd be cool to just sort of tease what's coming up next with the podcast and, so a, little, and a little bit of housekeeping. So anyways, let's get started. So I, I wanted to let you guys know this Friday, October 1st at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I'm throwing a Clubhouse event to discuss GPTX, DALI, and our multimodal future. Uh, this is your chance to ask questions about the series, share your thoughts on this series, feedback, share your experiences creatively and with AI technologies, right? Um, and uh, to just meet other people who, who might have been in the audience watching every video, right? So that, that's the cool thing about the series is one video was being released every day for the past almost like a month. And I, I, you know, I can assure you at many points, the same people were watching each video. And so if you ever just want to interact with other people who also experienced the series, in addition to me, uh, this event that's happening on Friday is your chance to do so. Uh, I, I want to just give a careful note. So earlier on, the event was supposed to be at 4 p.m. on Friday, Eastern Standard Time. I've moved it to 1 p.m. on Friday, Eastern Standard Time. And this is just to accommodate more people who gave me feedback who are in different time zones. And 1 p.m. I, I think is a better fit for everyone so more people can make it. Uh, originally, I thought Friday at 4 p.m. Would, would be a good fit, but obviously that's a good fit for me. Like that's roughly Friday after work for most people in the Eastern Standard Time Zone to just drop by, you know. But uh, obviously, you know, we, we need to be considerate and it makes total sense. So I'm moving it to 1 p.m. to, you know, have more people, make it easier for more people to, to show up to the event. And I apologize for this change. It might create a lot of confusion, but that's the plan going forward. Um so the Clubhouse event is also really exciting because I'm really, I really want people who listen to the podcast regularly, who've maybe listened to every episode, I, I really want you guys to show up to the Clubhouse event. And the reason is simply going forward, I think it'd be a cool idea if every quarter, every couple months, maybe once every two months, uh, we throw a Clubhouse event and sort of the podcast audience and myself can just chat. I think these kinds of check-ins would be cool and interesting and fun to talk about. And for me personally, as a creator, I, I love having a two-way conversation, right? Up to this point, this podcast is a one-way conversation, right? So I speak and you listen. But for me, it's enjoyable to have a two-way conversation, obviously, right? Uh, and so uh, anyways, like I encourage podcast audience, pull up, watch the series, pull up to the Clubhouse event. If you're tuned into the Substack newsletter, you like some of my written stuff, also pull up to the event. I think it'd be cool to just have these check-ins and just learn. I'd, I'd love to hear where other people are at, what they're thinking about. Uh, GPT-4, I'm hearing rumors about it. I'd be interested to hear what everyone else has to say. Like, what have you heard about GPT-4? What are you excited about? Those kinds of things. So podcast audience, I'm really counting on you. Pull up next Friday, 1 p.m., 
Let's chat about the series. Let's chat about other things. It could be a lot of fun. Um, by the way, so if you don't know what Clubhouse is, I probably should mention. So Clubhouse is, it's like a Zoom call, except it's audio only. I hope that makes sense. So it's like, it's like, it's like Zoom without video. And it just makes it really easy to just have like a, just like a casual discussion. So you can download the Clubhouse app on iPhone or Android. Uh, and you can listen for free and you, you don't even need to speak, right? So if you want to just listen, you can keep with that role. Uh, depending upon the size of the event, I can invite people to become speakers, right? If, if they raise their hand through the app and are interested in, in being on stage, quote unquote, with me. And so you can just tune in as a listener. You can download the app instantly for free and you can join me at the event. And I'm really excited to hear what everyone thought about the series. This is actually a really exciting thing for me. I'm, I can't wait to, to just chat with people who watched it. Um, so now I wanted to just add in maybe some closing thoughts about this series. So let me, let me pull it up right now. So by the way, so if you haven't watched the series up to this point, uh, you can do that by going to youtube.com slash B A K Z T future. That's the letter T B A K Z T future. Click on playlists and then you'll see there's a playlist there called GPTX Dally and our multimodal future. And you can watch the whole series in its entirety. You can binge watch it as if it's, you know, Breaking Bad or, <laughs> you know, like any, any of your favorite shows like on Netflix and stuff. You can binge watch the whole series. And I'm also excited for that because I, I think a lot of people like that format too. A lot of people would prefer binging the series rather than go day by day. So anyways, you can check out the series there. I think on my last like two podcasts ago, I think I covered up to video number four. Um, so briefly, I'll, I'll just basically read out the headline and talk about the significance of each video. Uh, all of these could be a longer discussion, but let's, let's keep it brief. So video number five was called five ways to make new things with multimodal AI. Uh, this, this topic came about when I was showing people who know nothing about, uh, multimodal AI tools like DALI or VQGAN and CLIP. They, they, they genuinely asked me like, like, so won't everybody get the same results? right? Won't the AI make the average of what it was trained on? Uh, this is kind of surprising because these are pretty advanced questions for people who know nothing about technology. <laughs> and so I made a video speculating on, on how creatives will sort of uh, respond, right? Like for sure, I think these models will likely be non-deterministic. I don't think they'll be deterministic anyways, but as a creative, uh, there's different tools at your disposal. So one of those tools I talked about was mixing and texturing, uh, another tool I, I, I talked about was just experimentation and, and you know, finding something new and different. Um, then I speculated on more advanced tools, right? So I think the concept of a mood board, if you can give that, if you can feed a mood board into a multimodal AI system, that mood board could initialize, a, you know, a unique kind of latent space or something different or slightly different, giving you different results from everyone else that, that you know, you can't even explain. And my speculation, and maybe I'll chat about this more at the Clubhouse event, I'm excited because I actually feel these multimodal AI models may actually be able to capture the essence of a mood board. You know, I think they may be able to understand what is the mood that this person is going for with, with the elements they've included in the mood board. And so anyways, like, uh, and by the way, this, 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 uh, you know, that episode assumes that, uh, maybe, you know, through, through AI training and those other tools that this is assuming that within the models, we've already done things to help people generate results, right? Like I, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody fine tunes an AI model just for hot takes, 
right? And so that would be this hot take kind of fine-tuned model would be different from a typical AI model in addition to the controls you have on the side, whether that's temperature and those sorts of things. So I'm saying outside of what's in the model or you know what the model can be configured for, this video talks about what can you do as a creative to still come out on top. And that's important because I think part of creativity to some extent is competition, right? A lot of creatives don't just want to be a creative, they wanna be the best creative. They want their work to succeed. And so video number uh, five called Five Ways to Make New Things with Multimodal AI. This is a very important video and, and helps to answer that kind of question. Number six is why design language matters for multimodal models like DALI. Um, the point of this video is I just think there will be a lot of people who first get access to a multimodal AI tool like DALI. They'll generate something and be blown away, but then they'll be like, oh, but I actually want it to look slightly different. Right, I want this to be more like this. And the problem is they won't have the design language <laughs> to describe what they actually want. And so to some extent, yes, I, I think DALI and these kinds of models of the future, they will be able to follow along with like to some extent, sort of what you mean. And also I do think they'll be fine even if you make misspellings. Like, you know, GPT-3 has no problem with if you misspell a word, it shrugs it off. It doesn't even bother GPT-3. But I think to some extent, uh, if you want to take something that's been created, but actually shape and morph it, make it uh, uh, what you probably have in your head, your true vision, the right thing to do long term is to learn design language, right? You need to know what opacity means. You need to know about color codes, the hexadecimal color system. Like these are the basics that you need to know if you want to be like the best at it, right? And so instead of instead of spending all day trying to try, try different ways to say the same thing, if you just use the precise language, you'll get what you want a lot sooner and actually be able to finish something to your true vision, not just have it generated and then try to make it to your true vision. So language is still important. I, I, I don't think we're quite there yet. It's not like we can just beam our thoughts into AI yet <laughs> and it fully makes whatever we have in our head. So that, that video is sort of telling you like not just it's important, but how to get started. Started. So check out number six, why design language matters for multimodal AI models like DALI. Number seven is the big is called the big unanswered question about multimodal creativity. This video very briefly tries to answer what is the role that I can foresee for human creatives? Will we even have a role? This video is more philosophical and it's an important question. And if you're into that stuff, I encourage you to check it out. And number eight is getting out of your own head with GPT-3, DALI and multimodal AI. Uh, this video basically is is sort of sharing some existing techniques that we're already seeing with GPT-3 that people use to get feedback from things like GPT-3. And I think this sort of AI-driven feedback, AI-driven audience member, AI-driven teacher even, or mentor, AI-driven critic, I think these tr these kinds of patterns we're seeing will only accelerate. And so that the point of that video is you 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 want to not just think about AI as something that generates content for you and you know maybe helps you edit it you want to think about it as a lot more than that like it could be a teacher it could be a mentor it could be a critic it could you know perhaps take the role of like a typical person and tell you how might a typical person react and you want to incorporate AI based feedback uh, into your work to help it get better right and by the way this is something creatives today don't have like it's not like you know you always have somebody available right behind you watching your videos and telling you what they think and of course getting out of your own head is, is this really hard creative problem with ai this this problem may actually become 
at least a little bit soft, right? That you'll always have feedback available to you. So anyways, make sure you check out number eight. Uh, number nine, real-time creativity. Explore your art with GPT-3 and DALI. So this video is really important. Um, I, I basically start off with sort of, I talk about this concept called instant gratification, right? And so for this video, some of the earlier scripts, the way it opened, it was like uh, instant gratification, I guess, is this thing where you push a button and a burrito op like just shows up at your doorstep, <laughs> right? Like it was something like that, but I changed it. The, the, so typically instant gratification, when we think of it, we think, you know, like that kind of thing. Like I order a burrito on Uber Eats and the burrito shows up in five minutes on my doorstep, right? Instantly, I push a button, it shows up and I'm instantly gratified. That's how we think about it. We think about it in a social context. Uh, but we often don't think about instant gratification when it comes to creativity, right? So I, I give examples like, um, you know, like it's like it's not like you sit in front of Adobe Illustrator and just think about an apple getting made for you and then it gets made. Like it's 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 work. Like you have to select stuff on the side. You have to choose colors. You have to create shapes. You got to manage your layers. <laughs> like it's a lot of work. Creativity is typically brutal. It is a long-term process. It's thousands, maybe tens of thousands of steps if you want to make anything meaningful. Um, and we just, we don't tend to think about it that way. It's never been thought about that way. People just assume creativity is a lot of work, painstaking work, right? I mean, Van Gogh lost an ear for a reason, right? Like it's just a lot, it's just grueling. And, um, anyway, so with AI though, like things like Dali, you know, that the nature of creativity does change, right? Imagine you're just typing something in like an, an armchair in the shape of an avocado and it generates something for you. Like that's crazy right? And it's unheard of. This never been done before. I, 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 I feel like this, it's, it's, it's not something we could conceptualize. We could not, we did not have this kind of tool before. And so, so what does that mean then? So, so, I mean, you might disagree with me up to this point, but just, just for the purposes of this podcast, agree with me that creativity may become instantly gratifying through multimodal AI. It may actually become something instant and like, you know, right away and you're just like so satisfied that you can type stuff in. It makes exactly what you, what you want just with language, right? Um, then, I mean, I, I came up with this term, like I sort of call it real-time creativity, right? Like it's this idea that I am creating as I go along and whatever I want sort of gets, gets conceptualized and made for me, right? And then, so what does real-time creativity mean? So this video basically speculates that the nature of creativity, so I, I would say in the past, you maybe spent you know, 70, 80% of your time just getting something created, right? Like you're an illustrator, you're choosing all these tools, you're looking at what version you like, you're looking at so many details, deleting stuff, adding stuff, you made different versions, right? And then finally, it's at a point of quote unquote doneness, right? And, and then you spend the remaining 20% of your time maybe polishing, maybe getting feedback from people, maybe, you know, creating a different version altogether, right? And then it's done. Right. So I, I would say 80% of the time is just creating. The other 20% is everything else. Like, and that includes marketing and promotion and all that other stuff. Right. But uh, I, I, what I, what I, what I, you know, there's a quote I have in that where the, like I say, like the nature of your creativity will no longer be about creating something. It will be about all the experimentation you did after something was already made for you, but basically by the AI. And so that's me saying, in the past, you spent 80% of your time just creating, just getting the first, you know, draft version, first MVP out. Now, I think maybe 10, 
20% of your time will be on creation and you'll be able to spend the remaining 80% just experimenting, right? And I think there'll be something about how we experiment on top of work that's already been generated for us that ends up defining the work. I think people will you know, be able to tell, wow, there was a lot of experimentation that went behind this. They didn't just go with the first thing the AI gave them, right? Unless it's exceptional, uh, which I doubt it will be in the next two to 10 years, right? And so I, I think that that, 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 so this video is important because I think it's, it's about like uh, understanding that maybe creativity, because it will be real time, you know, the nature of your role as a creative will also change, right? And I think I encourage you in the video and I encourage you now to, you know, once you have access to these tools, experiment a lot more, right? And and to me, experimentation is, is you know, tinkering, trying stuff, but also I, I think it's about, you know, like asking what if. I think it's about looking at your work from different perspectives, different angles, right? And maybe even entirely different things altogether, right? And uh, in the video, I, I sort of, I gave an example of an, you know, you want an apple to look appetizing, right? There are many ways to accomplish that, right? In the past, you may have just found an image of an apple online and downloaded it and used it. And now it's in your video or whatever. But I think in the future, you'll you'll go through, you won't just settle on that apple that you have. Like, I, I think you'll experiment. You'll, what about this angle? Let's adjust the lighting. What about this? What if this? What if this happened? What about this? What about this? And you may settle on something completely different. And so the, the creativity won't be about, in a way, it won't necessarily be about the end product. The first thing that, look, I made this. I think it will be about the journey. AI made this. I went through this journey, right? And then this is the final product and people can just feel this is something new and different. This is edgy. This is something we haven't seen before. Anyway, so I encourage you to watch that video. Uh, number 10 is a video called GPT-3 writes poem about AI creativity. On the outside, this video doesn't appear to be that significant, but its theme is is pretty significant, right? Like, I mean, uh, this is a this is essentially in, in the poem, the uh, the character loses his hands and, you know, he's like an artist, right? And then through AI, he can now paint again almost without limitation, like even better than before. And so the, the poem ends with the beauty was always in his heart and not in his hands. Right. And I, I think that is an important theme. Right. I think I think so many people right now may be creative. They just don't have the skills like Photoshop or Illustrator or Premiere Pro. They may not have the patience and the discipline to learn these tools. And to be honest, I don't blame them. These tools are quite dry. They're quite boring. They have a steep learning curve, right? And I think what's so crazy about it is these tools are so boring and they almost contradict your creative energy, right? Like I think creative energy is this intense desire to make something right and then that contradicts this boring logical <laughs> like you know these tools that just drain almost suck the creativity out of you right by the time you master the tools you've almost lost a lot of your creative spirit like it's almost hard for you they almost transform you into like a logical randroid right and it sort of transforms your creative spirit from something pure to something completely different altogether and so anyways, like I think uh, the point of the poem in, in video number 10 is, is really what great art have we not experienced, right? What great art is potentially out there? Just because somebody may not be good at writing poetry doesn't mean they don't have a great story to tell. Through AI, they may finally be able to tell their story. They may be able to make movies about their trauma, their unique life experiences. And 
you know, because I'm, I'm, you know, both a technologist, I'm seeing myself as a creative and an artist, but also I intensely believe in humanity. I'm excited for everyone in the world to get access to these tools because I'm interested in all the stories that never got told. Uh, video number 11 is GPT-3, the end of writer's block. Uh, this is just this idea. If you can just type stuff into GPT-3, for example, and hit submit, and it sort of fills the rest out for you, right? Like you could have the beginning of a story, you're not sure where to go, and then you hit submit and it generates, you know, maybe the middle or even how the story should end. And if you don't like it, you can push a button again, it will generate something new. I mean, this is like a superpower, right? This is a superpower. Just the fact that it can almost pull you out of... Um, these creative roadblocks, or it may pull you out before you get to creative roadblocks, right? Now, I got an interesting uh, comment about, you know, writer's block is, is really a psychological phenomenon. And, and I agree, like, it, it may be something much deeper that is, you know, maybe me saying GPT-3 could maybe mean the end of writer's block, like, that's a very simplistic take. It's a very complex issue. I agree. I, I think long term writer's block is a mental health thing. And, you know, maybe we should study it more. But I guess I'm saying maybe GPT-3 may spare a lot of writers from getting to that state of writer's block and burnout, right? Maybe, maybe, right? If you just remember to check it out and sort of run it through GPT-3 and, and see what it says, where it could go, you, you might be able to get that little tweak, that little feedback, get out of your own head a little bit enough that that you, you never even hit this writer's block burnout state in the first place. Um uh, video number 12, multimodal AI and the creative practice. It's just speculating how a creative business might change with access to multimodal AI. It loosely talks about how you can make money. Uh, video number 13, multimodal AI, the artist's dream. So I made this video because even I'm a little bit like, a little bit suspicious. Like, <laughs> like I know in the series, like my my vision or my proposal that I'm sharing is is is... I know I'm the one making it, but even for me, sometimes it's hard to believe, right? That AI can help you create your work. It can give you feedback on your work. It can help you make your better, best work ever. You may not need a team, right? You may not need the funding of Hollywood, you know, with an access to a superior model. You may be able to just generate an entire movie. Like these are things that are almost too good to be true. And this is one of the reasons I made this series is, I mean, these are the conclusions I got to, sort of. I'd love to be proven wrong. But I just, I can't believe nobody's talking about this, right? I, I Like, that's part of the reason I mean this. I can't believe nobody is nobody is doing the math here in the way that I did in that video and just saying, wow, like, this might change creativity forever. This might be the best era to be a creative artist ever, <laughs> right? And we should make a bigger deal about it. Like, even GPT-3. GPT-3 is a bigger deal, you know? People were saying it's overhyped last summer. I agree to some extent. But also, I think, no, it is a big deal. It should be a far bigger deal than than we realize then we make it out to be. Uh, it's it's a it's a novel achievement, you know. I think it's a huge achievement for for humanity. Even all right, number fourteen. How will multimodal AI models like AI like Dali impact society? Uh, this is like a just a video speculating on on what it could mean. One of one of the predictions I share is is multimodal AI may actually improve uh, society's appreciation of art itself. Uh, that that's that's a big one. And I also talk about how you know, these models, you know, they may be able to generate, you know, research paper ideas, they may be able to generate patents, they may be able, like, I mean, sort of the ideas of patents, right, or things that sound like patents, right? Uh, they may be able to, you know, help us solve math, complicated math theorems, and, you know, come up, come up with math theorems and solve complicated math problems, develop proofs, right? 
And so I guess this video is also saying multimodal AI does have a role outside of, you know, typical, the typical creative sort of functions, right? You, you name it, architecture, music, product design, fine art, uh, you know, graphic design. It could also help scientists. It could also help, you know, uh, researchers. It could also help other disciplines too. And I guess what I'm saying is if everyone has access to multimodal AI tools and are using it for in all these different ways, we may have a completely different interdisciplinary kind of society, right? With with more cross-pollination because multimodal AI could provide some some basic, a single tool which brings everybody to the table. Uh, number 15 is, is Silicon Hollywood. So Silicon Hollywood is, is definitely a sort of a cornerstone video for the entire series. If you haven't watched it, I highly encourage you to watch it. Silicon Hollywood is a term I believe I've made up. I mean, I, I tried finding if anyone else has used it in the past. I could not find any, but I believe I'm the first to sort of coin this term. But it just Silicon Hollywood, it's just it's about this phenomenon that AI can do more and more. And if you pay attention to the research that's going on, if you tune in to Two Minute Papers, the, the YouTube channel, um, like it's quite mind blowing. Like they can generate faces with different lighting at different angles, right? They're, they're you know, you've seen the videos on deep fakes, you know, they have videos of President Obama saying things he never said, <laughs> those kinds of things. And I guess all I'm saying is um, like, what does this kind of phenomenon where we can synthesize videos and audio and all these different kinds of things, what does it mean for an industry like Hollywood? What kind of industrial shift will we see in the Hollywood industry? And my opinion is this kind of shift has been a long time coming, right? Like, again, I mentioned the video, I have friends who work in film. And one of the things they've shared with me is, you know, they have to work so hard for so little money for so long before they can even be considered to one day make a movie. And even then, the movie they make is is at the whim of all these different, you know, producers, people, you know, corporate people, higher up people, a board. It might, you know, even to the stock market to some extent, right? And so they don't actually get to make what they want. They're always trying to play this game and appease these exclusive Hollywood insiders. Uh, and also, I don't think Hollywood has been taking a lot of risks lately. Like, I, I love Marvel, but at the same time, are they making movies like they used to that are novel and original and unique? Are they funding and taking risks with their money? I would say no. And as a capitalist, I don't respect it. Like, I mean, to some extent, it's pragmatic to invest in things that will make you money. But I, I do think there is something about capitalism where you do have to have some risk and some skin in the game. And from what I'm seeing from a lot of Hollywood, at least on the mainstream kind of places, movie theater, Netflix, whatever, they're kind of funding you know, uh, kind of funding remakes, they're funding, you know, part twos, they're sort of, you know, you know, prequels, <laughs> like they're not taking risks. And I think part of being a capitalist is taking risks too. I, I don't think it's just about being pragmatic and making money, right? I, I think the beauty of capitalism is you take a risk and you sort of advance society too in the process. So Anyway, Silicon Hollywood, I really recommend you you watch that video. I, I love that video personally. I love rewatching it. I, I think it's really important. I think it's it's capture it's trying to capture a phenomenon which all of us have sort of been seeing coming for a long time now. Uh, number sixteen, multimodal AI and the serious dangers of corporate mind control. So, this video is my attempt at talking about the ethics of multimodal AI and creativity. But honestly, this this is this is a this is almost a series of its own. So that video, I tried my best. I talked about it. I walked it through, especially I think at the hands of corporations, this stuff is really dangerous. Um, 
but that's the extent of that video goes. To be honest, you know, I, I would like to revisit it in the future and, and perhaps bring on like people who do legal policy, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, different f- philosophers, AI ethicists, like those kinds of people, because I think that that this topic is more in their court. This video is more of a teaser to something much bigger. In fact, like all of these videos, every video in this series is a teaser to something much bigger. <laughs> like I'm aware I'm making it that, you know, this is barely scratching the surface. I made 19 videos and even I feel like, wow, I'm barely scratching the surface. Every one of the video topics I feel could be a series of their own. And part of the reason it's not, it's not just my own bandwidth and style. I, I think part of the reason the series is not um, even bigger or even more detailed is I also think it's too early to say. The things that I've made in the series, I felt the timing was good to say them because I can see them uh, it's feasible to me that these things will happen within two to 10 years, right? And part of my fear is I don't want to oversell the dream and I don't want to put out misinformation either. And also you're aware anytime you're talking about stuff that's supposed to happen two to 10 years from now, odds are you'll be wrong in all these different ways. And so to some extent, the more I talk, the more in detail I go about things, the more dangerous it is, right? Like I, I think I, I think that the truest form of its series is each video is short and sweet and it doesn't overdo it. It doesn't oversell it. Part of the reason I'm having the Clubhouse event in the first place is I want to go in more detail. I want to be able to say things that obviously they're not being recorded. It's not public and that, that you know, it might reflect truly how I feel, but even I didn't say them in these videos because I wasn't sure quite yet if, if we'll be there, right? If we'll get there. So anyways, um, where was I? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, watch the Serious Dangers of Corporate Mind Control video. I, I think there's a lot in there uh, that is significant. That is a very important video. So I encourage you to check it out. It's important to think about these things. Like, I, I think with AI, it is as much an ethics and safety game as it is a technology game. Like, really. So, so anyways, watch that video. Number 17, The Joy of Multimodal Painting with Dali, VQ, GAN, and Clips. So... I got a lot of feedback in the comments saying the video was really short. They would have liked it to be longer. So I think, like, <laughs> to be honest, like, I mean, you guys should be aware that video is a joke, right? And that is the point of the video. So in in the video, you know, I'm playing Bob Ross, like it's a, it's a spoof, um, except I'm using VQGAN and Clip, like, which is a multimodal image generation model, to generate this image, right? And so half the video is just set up. I tell people, you know, get your favorite multimodal AI tool, whatever you want, and let's get started. And then once it's set up, I just say like one line of text. Like it's it's kind of like, um, what is it? A, a, a beautiful landscape, a beautiful landscape of a calming natural forest in the style of Bob Ross. And then I put, you know, vertical pipe, you know, trending on art station, <laughs> right? And the funny part about that video is, I mean, you'd expect the Bob Ross video would be a whole lesson, right? Like this would be 30 minutes. I'm talking about each brushstroke, everything. No, the image gets generated right away. And then you watch as my character's like, all right, like, you know, if, if you if you if you are following along, please, you know, send me your your results, like what you got. Right. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll retweet it or something. And that's the end of the that's the end of today's episode. Like, I hope you had fun. <laughs> so 
I think I think a lot of people, and maybe this is my you know my mistake as a director. I I thought people would get it that the, the whole point of multimodal AI is it's just you don't need these kinds of long lengthy lessons. You're not worrying about how do I draw this this cloud? Why does my cloud look different from my instructor's cloud? You know, you're not worrying about these details, and it can just get done. Like I'm saying, you like you don't have a 30 minute show. Like this whole show was done in like three minutes, right? <laughs> so that's the joke. And I, you know, maybe maybe it's a bad joke because I have to explain the joke. But I think that was the point of the video. If you felt it was too short, I'm glad that was the goal. I wanted you to feel like it's too short because with AI, like we're in a new nature of creativity. That that's my belief, right? Like I, if if Bob Ross was around today. Um, his show would be different. It, it, you know, it, it would be a lot quicker and, the, you know, it wouldn't be like how it used to be, right? Unless he's teaching actual painting, right? Uh, number 18, very important video, the next generation of AI creatives. So this is me speculating what are the characteristics of multimodal creatives of the future. Um, I definitely think... Uh, I mean, one of the main characteristics was definitely age. Like, I, I think, I think there's something, especially with Dali. I think kids will really use Dali. I think there's something about it. Like, imagine you're in a computer lab at school, and some teacher shows you Dali. Ideally, you know, Dali, which is fine tuned for safety, you know, high level of safety. Um, and you know, these kids will just sit down and type in something, and just the magic moment of them seeing the result of whatever they typed in. I think it will be like a almost like an earth shattering event if you're a super young creative and maybe as young as four or six, like the fact that I can just type stuff and it gets made for me. I think this will change the game. Uh, this will change their world. If I was four or six years old and I, I, you know, I was creative back then, this would be mind blowing. I would just be obsessed with something like Dali for years. And I just like, you know, one of my beliefs is sort of one of the difference between, you know, children and adults, I think children have far more imagination. Their imagination is far greater. I think they have a, like a more direct connection to imagination and creativity than we do. Uh, they're, you know, in many ways, they're unfiltered. They're just sort of a raw form of creativity. Uh, whereas adults, I think our you know, imagination is a lot more restrained, right? I think it's a lot more restrained, but our skills are higher. Our patience is higher. You know, adult, an adult like me, I have, I have the, the patience to sit through, you know, four months full-time working on a single YouTube series, which is 19 videos, right? I have the patience to do so. I can't see a kid having that level of patience, right? Um, for like a long-term kind of project. And also I have skills, like I had the patience to learn Adobe After Effects, these kinds of tools. But I think what's interesting about multimodal AI is I think, I think almost the thing people may compete on is just purely imagination in many ways, like not as much skill. And I think it, it may actually, it may be a level playing field between kids and adults. And I think, that, you know, because their imagination is so much stronger and because I think they can learn the theory as well over time, we may see all these, you know, child phenomes, like all these prodigies, like sort of in the way that Mozart was six years old making these great compositions. I think we may see that kind of phenomenon again through multimodal AI tools like DALI. And so, I mean, there's many other characteristics I share in that video, but for me, that's definitely, you know, the big one and, and something I do spend time thinking about reflecting on that is, is just really, really exciting. Okay. And was there any other video? And then in the last closing video, I, I just briefly talk about uh, creative acceleration. This is a topic that I sort of teased on 
in the podcast two weeks ago. Um, and again, like I, I think having made the series, <laughs> one of the things I realized, I thought I was making a series about how technology will accelerate and this will impact creatives. Uh, but really, I'm realizing this series is actually about creativity itself accelerating through AI tools. Like, it's really about how will society be more creative? How will we make better work than ever before? More work than ever before? Uh, how will our understanding of taste and culture, how, you know, our understanding of society and all these, you know, very big topics that, we, you know, we, we tend to explore with, with art and the humanities, um, how will our understanding of these accelerate in a way that we haven't seen before? And that's that's in a nutshell what this series is about. It's not about technology impacting creativity. It's really about creativity itself it becoming something which accelerates almost like uh, a rate like technology and like a more greater creative consciousness it, like in the world. Uh, and so I, I think, you know, sometimes... <laughs> Sometimes you make stuff and, you know, you rewatch it and you're just like, oh, <laughs> I think that's why I made it. <laughs> and I also talk about the Clubhouse event in that video. And of course, I've, I've already mentioned the Clubhouse event has moved. It's no, it's Friday, October 1st. It's now at 1 p.m., not 4 p.m. to accommodate more people. And then lastly, there are two B-side videos, which I released on Saturday. One of them is on multimodal. Is, is it synesthesia? Is it like synesthesia? And then the other one is on, you know, VR and gaming. So very quickly, um, the mixing and texturing video is a really important video. I talked about it, you know, in the first week, two podcasts ago. Uh, I encourage you to rewatch it, if, if, to watch it if you haven't seen it or re-listen to the podcast where I talk about it. But I think, you know, is there some kind of connection between mixing stuff and synesthesia itself? Why are so many great creatives, why do they have some form of, of synesthesia? What is it about synesthesia? And, you know, will we have synesthesia-like capabilities through things like multimodal AI? Could this mean greater creativity? This is an important question, and I pose it as a research question. If anybody out there is interested in exploring this topic, I encourage you to do so because I, I think it could uh, uh, help us understand way more about creativity that we simply didn't understand before. Um, the last And the last video was on VR and gaming, like I mentioned. So... Uh, by the way, if you don't know, what is the point of these two B-sides? These are videos that I felt were good, but they just didn't make the cut for the series. They were sort of cut at the editing room floor for various reasons. Either I felt they didn't fit, they weren't at the quality level, blah, blah, blah. They, you know, the VR and gaming video, it, it was a topic which should have been in the series. And I read it in the comments. A lot of people were excited about making games and, you know, living in virtual realities and all these things. And so I felt bad that I had this video and I never put it in the series. So I decided, fine, I'll put whatever I have back in <laughs> just as a B-side though. And I, I think, you know, the topic of world building is something really I'm excited about, right? Just this idea that, you know, AI can help me create a fictional universe and maybe generate everything, generate the characters, their backgrounds, their histories, generate whole cities and their unique architecture and history, generate quirks in, you know, their physics and reality and science. So, you know, all the details that you would need a team of writers to figure out when creating a fictional universe, perhaps AI could help you do that and also generate the graphics as well. So you'd be looking at in real time, what does the main character's house look like? Right, and how does that relate to this larger universe that I'm creating? Um, so I'm excited about world building. I mentioned the video. Like I think, I think we're a little far from that. Uh, so like in the meantime, I just suggested go check out a Reddit community called R slash uh, 
world building uh, on, on reddit.com and just start learning more about the topic. And if there's a way people build tools in the future, absolutely do so. I think it's really exciting. The reason VR and gaming weren't bigger topics in this series, I'll be honest, this is my bias. So I'm not a big gamer. Like I, if you, you, most people don't know, like even in my personal life, my close friends know I don't game that much. Like it's almost rare to see me game. I maybe game like once or twice a year. And I've always been like that. It's it's not just a creativity thing. Even as a kid, like I just wasn't into gaming. And to some extent, I would rather make a game than play one. But I think there's just something about me that I just don't like gaming. And so I apologize if you were excited for, for me to talk about gaming. Because I'm not a gamer, I just didn't feel it was right for me to make a video on it. It's not my area of expertise. It's not my interest. And I'm certainly not like, there's no qualifications for gaming. But I'm definitely not the right person to, to chat about that topic. And also, to some extent, you know, I spent a lot of time on Silicon Hollywood. I spent a lot of time talking mainly about image programs and to some extent music. I'm assuming you can triangulate, you know, the future of gaming based on the other videos. All the lessons still apply to games. I just, if you were looking for a specific shout out for gaming or something far more detailed, I, I apologize. I just don't have that for you. <laughs> I just don't have that because I'm just not a gamer. So it's one of my biases, and perhaps at the Clubhouse event on Friday, I'm really interested for you to for you to share your your opinion on on gaming and how it could change through multimodal AI. I'd still love to learn. Uh, anyway, so that's a recap of the whole series. Can you believe it? We went from video uh, five all the way to nineteen, and the two B sides <laughs> in a nutshell. Um, and so, by the way, like I, I should have started the video, this, this podcast, and I apologize, like I'm just remembering now, like I want to thank you. Like if you've made it this far, like if you've watched every video, if you tuned into most of the videos, if you've been tuning in like every weekday, uh, I want to thank you for, for making it through uh, and congratulate you on making it to the end of the series. As a creative, it's really exciting for me to not just put work out, but to just develop this audience of really specific people who care about this topic as much as I do. So it's really meaningful uh, for me that that all of you tuned in throughout the series. It made it special for me just to share this with you. And so again, I, I want to thank you for participating. And if you've made it this far in the podcast and you even listened to the recap, I want to thank you again for doing that as well. Um, so very quickly, uh, I just want to talk about the future of the podcast. So my personal life schedule now that the series is done is like in flux. Like I got different things going on. And so... I'm going to try to keep to the Monday upload date, but it might get like sort of mixed up. Like today is today's Tuesday. That's when this video is dropping. Right. So like, uh, or sorry, today's Wednesday. Today's Wednesday, isn't it? Yeah. Today's Wednesday. <laughs> and so it should have, it should have dropped on Monday, whatever. And I mean, so likewise going forward, like when, when I have time and capacity, when I have bandwidth, that's when the next podcast episode will drop. If you're somebody who liked this series, but you're not that much into it, uh, I am excited to get back into some just some classic GPT-3 discussions, OpenAI discussions, uh, as well as discussions about Codex, which is something, you know, it's so funny. Like my my YouTube channel and my content has been so focused on this creativity world <laughs> that I just haven't had time to make videos on OpenAI Codex or talk about it. And so I'm excited to give that some attention because I also feel it's deserved. Uh, although I'm, I'm, you know, I'm still you know, going to be working on, you know, I want to make more resources for people who want to use VQGAN and Clip. I want to make more tutorials. I'm also going to start sharing my own art even on Instagram. 
So you can follow me at B-A-K-Z-T Future if you're interested in following along with my own multimodal art as well. Um, but anyways, the point is, so the point is like we'll be kind of back to regularly scheduled programming. If you missed my rants uh, about whatever's going on in this world, uh, they will be returning. And also I've already booked some guests for next month for October. So uh, I'm also excited to just have more conversations. There's different people in the community who I think are really interesting up to some really cool things that I think you'd be you know excited to hear from. And so that's in a nutshell, the future of the podcast. So anyways, yeah, we're approaching about almost 45 minutes now. So I'm going to wrap this up. Please, please, please come to the clubhouse event on Friday, Friday at 1 PM, bring a friend, chat with me about the future of AI and creativity. This is a really broad topic, but I'm sure everybody has thoughts and opinions, things they're excited about. Um, uh, and also, I just want to briefly mention, you know, if you liked the series, please share the YouTube playlist with people you know in real life. Please plug it on Reddit and on Discord, um, on, you know, in real life, tell them about it in person. If you know anybody who works at Adobe, Amazon, Apple, Google, Microsoft, OpenAI, all these companies in position to make something uh, like the multimodal photo editor, which is, you know, this, this software a product I pitched in the series. If if you know a company that's in position to perhaps build these multimodal AI tools that perhaps may let us generate a whole movie uh, just with a description, um, share the series. I, I think there's something about the series. I made it so it feels real and tangible. I think I made it so that people can feel there's an interest and demand for this thing and that it's important. And I think creativity and art is something you kind of have to fight for. And to be honest, Silicon Valley is not necessarily the best place. I think it's, you know, mostly logical. Uh, creativity, I think design is something they've, they've started to understand since Steve's jobs. But for the most part, it's not necessarily something they understand or appreciate. But I think it's important, like, to share this, ser- this series to people who work at these companies so that they know it's important. These ideas are crystallized. They, they demonstrate the potential and what's possible. They demonstrate there's interest in it. Uh, and they sort of may expose somebody who's like just like a typical programmer or AI researcher to the real potential of what they're really working towards. And so anyways, that's my last request as well. So pull up to the podcast. Also, just tell people about the series, you know, tweet about it, whatever you can do, especially if they work at any of the FANG or companies like OpenAI or like an AI research lab, that sort of thing. Anyways, that's the end of today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You know I'm on Twitter at B-A-K-Z-T Future. This, pod, this podcast, Multimodal by Bax T Future, it is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, which is what I use. You should be able to type it in, find it, no problem. Make sure you have notifications on so you get notified every time I drop a new video. Make sure you set it to auto-download so you can listen in the car if your data's off. Add it to your queue so it's always plays up next so that way you can frictionlessly listen to this podcast and hear what's new in the gpt3 ai world um you know i mentioned my instagram at b-a-k-z-t future and of course you know about my substack newsletter b-a-k-z-t future.substack.com this is a place where i, I sort of just share my ideas about stuff and I, I you know I, it's definitely writing focused a lot of the times the things i write and post on there i don't even talk about on the podcast because i feel some things are better in the written form so anyways Lots of places you can follow me. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I hope you have a great day, night, evening, morning, afternoon, late afternoon, wherever you are. I hope you're on some road trip or something having fun. Wherever you are in the universe, the multiverse, whatever's going on in your life. I hope it's awesome. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.